Welcome to the Refuge Project. The Refuge Project is a place that we can have meaningful conversation in a safe place. <laughs> we are your hosts. I am Pastor David. We got James. Hey, hey. We got Caesar. What it do? And how was Thanksgiving, guys? This is the week after Thanksgiving. Yeah, it that feels seems thanks, super yeah. long ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Days uh, have been really long. Jeez, man. Yeah, it was good. It was a good time. Had a good time. Ate the same stuff as every year. Every year, and uh, but it was more expensive than every year. That's what they say, man. But it for sure was, for sure was. But I could, I made a killer turkey. That's all I know, man. It was. Yeah. You smoke it, grill it. I did. I smoked it for eight or nine hours, and uh, it was ready on time. It was ready. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, it was good. But do you have one of them? Uh, one of them pellet grills? I do. Is that mm-hmm. what you did it in? I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So where you you can, you can Bluetooth your uh, your temperature and all yeah, that. Yeah, Set yeah. it and forget it, man. Mm, Ronco, nice. I remember that. Yeah. So um, on, on my pellet grill, you can like put in recipes, and then in the recipes you can go like six hours for one hundred and eighty five, and then three hours for you know two fifty or whatever, mm-hmm. and then it automatically. Adjustive way. That's yeah. pretty cool. So you can be asleep, you know, and just and then has like a, alarms. Like if it, the temperature goes up, mm-hmm. it'll send an alarm. Like, hey man, you better go check your stuff. It's yeah, burning le- down. Mm-hmm. Leave it to you to eat a bougie bird. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Yeah, uh, yeah. I talked a lot of trash about Thanksgiving food the next day at work. Did you? Yeah. I just it just felt like it needed to be said. And yeah. All of my. Uh, we are, we have a before every shift they have what's called a pre shift meeting. So the manager, what it's supposed to be is the uh, whatever manager is on duty is supposed to be like, hey, we're out of this ingredient tonight, so none of this. Um, hey, we're pushing this plate tonight. Blah blah blah. Just tell you stuff you need to know. You know, we're low on silverware, so we're doing this, and you know. But what it ends up being is like a bunch of nonsense and <laughs> them doing like mediocre motivational speaking. And it's, I hate it. Anyway, um, so they, we were the day after Thanksgiving. They were, whatever manager was just kind of like, uh, he was just kind of shuffling through it. Like, uh, yeah, I don't really have anything for you guys. Uh, and we were all just kind of sitting there and on. He's like, I guess that's probably it. Uh, and so I was, I thought I'd liven it up a bit. So, <laughs> so what did you do? So I like smashed the table. I was like, all right, guys. But I was very, uh, I was pretty aggressive about it. And I was just like, I was like, all right, guys, I'm going to say it. Because they were like talking about Thanksgiving. You know, like, what did you, did y'all have a good Thanksgiving? Oh, okay. Okay, that's great. And that's why I was just like, I'll say it, guys. Needs to be said. Thanksgiving food, not that good. And I just went on this whole thing. It's overrated. And I just started talking trash about turkey, casseroles. Been waiting all year for this stuff. That's it, really? Your little green bean casseroles and burnt onions on top? That's the great stuff. And I just went on this whole big thing. And hey, what uh, was your coworker's reaction? Dude, they were a little shocked, but they loved it. They talked about it for like the rest of the day. <laughs> they kept being like, James over here hates Thanksgiving. I was like, no, 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 you did not hear me. That was a true motivation <laughs> I said, Thanksgiving's great, but the food is overrated. Yeah, I agree. Turkey's not that good. And I, said, I told I said, look, I can prove it to you. Chicken's better than turkey. For sure it's better than turkey. Yeah. So I can yeah, prove yeah, it. Yeah, this no, is I'm why I can prove it. You're looking at me like, I'm going to fight you on that one. No, but she was like, like no, for not, sure. Like, yeah, for sure. I can prove it because you only eat Thanksgiving food one time a year. 
it was actually good, you'd eat it way more often. There's burger places everywhere. There's I mean, pizza place true. on every corner. There's so no Thanksgiving places. So when's the last time you went out to eat and said, yeah, I'll have a casserole with that? There's no <laughs> stuffing stores. <laughs> no stuffing stores. If there was a place, it would be out of business because it's trash food, man. It's not uh, that good. Yeah. Well, yeah, because Boston Market. When was the last time you went to a Boston Market? I mean, come on. The, the, the only good thing about Never. the food Never. at Thanksgiving is the pies. You go there, get some pies. And then people are like, well, what about macaroni? He's like, yeah, but I don't know if that's really a Thanksgiving food. It's, it's kind of like, kind of an all-year food. Um, mm-hmm. The best thing about Thanksgiving, cheese ball. I thought you were going to say family. I was like, no. Nah, 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 this is strictly the food. The family stuff, that's great. You know, hang out with your family. That's fantastic. All that, you know. Cheese but, ball. So I'll always put the cheese ball up early before it's all gone. Oh, um, man. Hey, so... I just remember this. So usually my Aunt Stephanie, uh, Aunt Teffy, to the Nissens, y'all, <laughs> they usually bring the cheese ball thing with the crackers or whatever. Yeah. Um, but Michaela and Carolyn got in a wreck on the way up to my oh, uncle's no. house. Yeah, hit an 18-wheeler. Whoa. Yeah, man. They're all good. Things cool. So, but, uh, so they, were, they, hit, they hit the 18-wheeler? Yeah. Well, you know, it was like raining really hard that day yeah, and all. Was so, way. you know. So, no cheese ball? So, we got the cheese ball, but it was, like, way late. Mm. Like, mm. way late. Better late than never, yeah. though. Yeah. That's even better ball. for me that nobody would have ate it, you yeah. know? <laughs> I just finished the cheese ball today. <laughs> I got home from work, had a little bit of cheese ball. <laughs> That's the other thing. Everybody's always like, oh, yeah, the Thanksgiving leftovers. Uh, no. It's like, dude, your turkey was dry today. You think it's going to just get less dry three days from now? It's only going to get worse. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Oh, man. Happy, happy holidays. Yeah, happy holidays. <laughs> man, Jason about He told me that he don't even have a Christmas tree. He don't even know if he's going to put okay, one up. For the record, it's not even December yet, technically. So I've got plenty of time. Yeah. Just because well, David over here has got like I mean, it's Winter Wonderland and, around here. Yeah, we counted five decorated trees, and we're not done yet. So I, yeah, We I, could cut yours in half out here. That would make two trees, right? Because that's <laughs> yeah. a 12-footer, yeah. so that's two six-footers. Those are two reasonably high. What well, was it last trees. year or the year before that? You're, no, it was last year. It was last year. You were talking about the amount of trees that you had. It was the record amount of trees that y'all ever had. Y'all yeah. still continuing that tradition, or um, did y'all downscale? I think we're down one. But we went up three feet on the other. Mm. Yeah. So, kind of the same. Yeah. Yeah. It looks nice <laughs> around kind here. kind of the same. We're almost done decorating. Well, she's almost done decorating. I'm, I'm, I help with the hard part, you know, put the trees up. Mm-hmm. I did the lights out front. My big Santa. Did y'all see my Santa when y'all came in? Yeah, I did. Good. But what's up with the lights that were right in yeah, front of your door? Say, you got a strange out. <laughs> yeah, man. I put them up and then, you know. I gotta, I gotta, go, I gotta deal with that. I gotta deal with that. So me He's dealing trying to, with trying to brag about it. Me and uh, so me dealing with this probably going to Walmart to buy another string. <laughs> I hate messing with the. It's that one light that makes the whole light thing yeah, go out, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm just, pretty sure you can find a uh, a message in that. Oh, I'm sure I could. That'll preach. <laughs> That'll preach. <laughs> one light bulb ruins the whole stream. One screwy light, uh, just like a, you people. <laughs> You're that one screwy light. It's always the white light. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, uh, especially after that message on Sunday. So hopefully, won't nobody will leave. Hey, shout out to the people in Canada that stopped by Ontario, Canada. Canada. Amen. Yes, oh, Canada. Canada. 
Can they listen to podcasts up there? Can they do anything up there? Yeah, man. I mean, I guess they get our podcast. So uh, I'm very ignorant when it comes to Canada. All I know is the hey. Maple Leaf. Hey. Yeah. hey. Oh, and then one time, uh, George St. Pierre. This was years ago. Oh, I, I had a, the offensive stereotypes. <laughs> years ago, I had a cold. Got any syrup, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I had a coworker years ago. We met up. Uh, we met up for some work stuff or whatever. But he was from Canada, of course. I'm being from Texas, and we were rooming together, right? And uh, he was, uh, he was. We had a little kitchenette and where we were staying, and then um, um, it had a uh, a garbage disposal, right? Mm-hmm. Well, apparently they don't call it garbage disposal in Canada. What do they call it? He called it a garburator. <laughs> A garburator. That's garburator. That's you tell that we have those in our cars, right? <laughs> That's kind of fun, dude. And yeah, I know. It's really, it's really fun, but my eyes lit up, and uh, very similar to how... a carburetor? Yeah. <laughs> Confused and kind of happy. And my, and my ethnocentrism kicked in, and I was all like... <laughs> That's a name, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? But anyway, so shout out to all our... Canadian friends up there, you and your garburators. Shout out to the puppy too; he's back. <laughs> the dog gets on my last nerve. What is that? A Yorkie? Yeah, that's one yeah. Yorkie. They're yappy. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, yappy they don't like no. She don't like nobody either. She liked me, I think. Yeah, I don't think she hated me anyway. No, she don't hate you. You know who she don't like is <laughs> Angel. You know Angel with the long beard. Yeah. Well, she does not like oh. Angel. But she mm. she bites them. Man. You know, they're about the same size, so... <laughs> Ew, oh, <laughs> That's a racist dog. <laughs> maybe after your comments on Sunday, maybe we, maybe we see what kind of what kind of household you're running here. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man. Well, James, let's, uh, let's go ahead and jump into Culture Corner. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Corner. Here we go, here we go. Back here we go. Back at it, back at it. No, not had it anymore. Not today. Not today. So in Egypt, okay, they had a storm come through. Some flooding, uh, rainwater, high winds, some snow. Did it know it snowed in Egypt? Did y'all know it snowed in Egypt? Um, I, I haven't really thought of it, but it makes sense. It's close to like the what is the mountain range? The Himalayas or whatever, right? It's yeah. Right but over there. Have you ever seen snow on like the Egyptian mountains? No, or it's, it's so. usually sand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what the, what happened was Snow on the all this came in and it stirred up the world's deadliest scorpions. Mm, I like this story. And the snakes. Yeah. And it scattered them all over the city. And when it did that, it they bit like 500 people. Four Ooh, people died. 450 insane. people went to the hospital. Jeez. They were having to call in doctors from all over the country to come help this whole scorpion situation. So wow. did they did they get it under control? They did get it under control, but they had to basically shut the city down to everybody to like lock the doors and put like towels and stuff under the door so they hide couldn't your kids, get in. Hide your wife. Yeah, they getting everybody out here. Um, they they shut the like the highways and stuff down so people wouldn't be out and about uh, traveling and, and getting bit by these most deadliest scorpions. Was it scorpions or was it COVID? <laughs> oh, oh, back at it. Sorry. Maybe that's the new strand, right? The Sorry about that, strand. <laughs> The scorpion strand. Yeah, so, uh, and I guess there was a few snake bites too, so. Damn. I mean, that's a bad day. 
It's a real bad day. Because like, of snow? Just the snow and flooding uh, flooding waters and high winds. So probably snow, then snow melts, and yeah. then flooding. So I guess these scorpions normally stay like out in the desert and stuff, away from the like the population, but because of all of the interruption in their scorpion lives, they <laughs> flooded the city. <laughs> so yeah. They were coming down. Yeah, so they come in, they were just like ticked off at the world and started biting everybody Man. or stinging. Yeah, Why do I get mad whenever, you know, the climate in my house changes? So, <laughs> so yeah. has, has anybody turned their heater on yet? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. Not during the day. Just a little bit. It messes with my nose too much. Yeah, it, gets it can good. only be a little bit. Yeah. That heater heat is yeah. the worst. Yeah. I can't stand that kind of heat. I turned it on just for about five minutes of the day before I got in the shower. Mm-hmm. It was kind of, it was like 68 degrees in the house. So I just kicked it on just long enough. Just but to, for you or for others? For me. Because you sweat kind of easily. Yeah, but I get cold, too, in the shower. I've been making fires, though. Yeah, yeah, I need to get my fireplace going. If you're, if, you, uh, if you're sitting in the living room and we got a fire going, the fire will heat up the, the living room. room pretty good. Yeah. With the heater off. If you Now, if you go down the hall and go to the bedroom, it's super cold in there. But, you know, so we watch a movie or something for bed out in the living room with a fire. It's real nice. Oh, snuggle up under a fire and watch oh, a movie. Oh, yeah. Mm. Brown chicken brown. Just a fire, just some candles. That's a good time. Yeah, yeah. Man. Shout out for David coming in last week. Yeah, where's the yeah. button? David was great. David was great, man. He came in. He, you know, we probably our, our our best guest. <laughs> yeah, best guest ever. He came in, and we, we didn't have a, I guess, a really idea where we we're going. And you know, probably our best bearded guest. Oh yeah, yeah. That's he's got a nice beard. guest. Yeah, yeah. I like that he's got hair on top of his head. Yeah. That's great. Pretty good guy. <laughs> oh, and then shout out Julie. Yeah, shitty. Yeah. <laughs> I'm you for sure, man. Julie's One of these days she's going to come on. Yeah, we'll have yeah. to get her on here pretty mm-hmm. soon. Yeah, for sure. All right, James, what do you got? Well, um, the headline of my story is, this Florida teen and her mom face 16 years in prison for allegedly rigging homecoming queen contest. Wow. Whoa. They serious. Yeah. <laughs> Jail time. Uh, 16 years. Wow. For rigging a homecoming queen contest. That's that's like a year for every year that this chick is alive, probably. Yeah. So, I mean, the real crime is these homecoming things, but... The real crime is these, what are they call them, the mums? The mums, yeah. yeah that's the crime. <laughs> Expensive, too. So, yeah, here's what happens. So, about. they all vote. All the kids are supposed to vote online through the school's whatever portal thing. Um, but the girl's mom, she was a teacher at some other school in the district. So she has access to the like admin side of mm. the district's website or whatever. So you can go see kids' grades and all that kind of stuff. And so... Um, so she was fudging numbers. So allegedly, they... Um, well, so, so first off, the girl wins. The daughter wins. And... Um, but when... When they announced that she won, the principal and the school student council, whoever people, they were like, hey, this is a weird, like, so they had some weird looking votes, and some of them were coming in at like four in the morning, and there was a lot, and they were like, this is really weird looking, but they went ahead. Sounds like 2020. Yeah. Sure Trump wasn't involved. Oh, well. well. (laughs) And uh, anyway, but they went ahead and announced her the winner anyway, but then they kept looking into it, and uh Anyway, so what they're accusing, all the evidence is suggesting that the mom was in there voting. Because a lot of the other students said they tried to go 
um, and cast a vote, but it said they had already voted and stuff like that was happening. Was so, this Lori Lachlan? It wasn't Lori Lachlan. <laughs> was it a, was so it? basically the daughter slash the mom supposedly was going in there using the other kids' birthdays and I bet blogging you it was a bunch info. of mail-in votes. No, it was all through the website. <laughs> 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 anyway, so yeah, so uh, and also they said that uh, if you didn't count the, it was like four hundred. It was like three or four hundred like faulty looking votes. If you didn't count those, the girl was going to win anyway. So that's the other thing. Let me read you what all it says they're charging them with. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's just a bunch of. They're and, not going to get sixteen years. And even all, while, you know. while all that I need a recount happening. for sure. Audit. <laughs> While all that was happening, the people in Egypt couldn't give a camel's hump. <laughs> it says, okay, they faced the following charges. One count each of offenses against users of computers, computer systems, computer networks, electronic devices, unlawful use of a two-way communications device, criminal use of personal, personally identifiable information, and conspiracy to commit these offenses. Wow. So a lot of nonsense. So, But the girl... And the school is for some reason being tried as an adult, which they didn't really go into that. That doesn't really make sense to me. But, but that's, anyway, man. you know that's crazy because you know then that 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 psycho that uh that ran over those grandmas in that Christmas parade. I mean, he was out on bail for like five hundred bucks, and you know, and he's got a rap sheet and all yeah. that stuff. And you know, I mean, like yeah, like I, I don't, I don't sixteen them. years. Yeah, that's you know what they start with, so that then when they come down, she's going to end up with. A few months or something that she actually serves, but I feel like Pelosi filed these charges. <laughs> and where was this at again? Florida. Ah, Imagine that. Florida. Imagine. Oh, and they said she got to keep the crown, the homecoming crown. Interesting. Yeah. Well, she's gonna need it when she's in jail. I guess I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they take it back. Uh, it, the trial's in February, so. Wow. But I mean, she would have won anyway. See, the, I mean. Yeah, but now she's done criminal stuff, man. She's a criminal now. So what is the? But what about the daughter? What's the daughter going to get? When the, they're they're charging them both with for the, as for like the, a for for like a pair for what her crazy mom did mm-hmm. because That's they like had that. they had um, false votes coming from the mom's computer and coming from one of their phones. Well, and now so they have from two but, different sources. But the mom like. The mom's motivation, of course, she wants the daughter to win, but mm-hmm. like, is she kind of like low key saying, I don't think she's pretty enough? I don't. I, probably. I think. <laughs> hey, that's like that one that. The that... Hot Pocket chick. <laughs> <laughs> now, nah, my daughter, she won't even know. She's so dumb. <laughs> It's like man, it's like man. This is this this is this girl's last hurrah. You know, she peaked in high school. That's it. This, <laughs> is, this is all she's got. And then she went to jail. Oh man. Anyway, that was my story. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. And there was no animals involved. Uh, David brought the animals today. You know, there was a over close to where I grew up in Channelview. There was that whole Texas cheerleader mom deal where she tried to off one of the other cheerleaders so her daughter could be like head cheerleader or something like that. Really. Yeah, that's kind of intense. Great. Yeah, it was what, crazy. What are you a mobster? <laughs> no, <laughs> not even just like try off the other girl. <laughs> <laughs> not even just like try to get her expelled or something. No, no, like, no, no, no. He was no. like, no, just kill her. Not even try to use like a Tanya Harding or anything on her. You know, <laughs> blow her knee out. Yeah, just, <laughs> just sprain an ankle or something. Just wow. Yeah, try to whack her. 
Yeah, you know. I mean, it's, it's cheerleaders. Am I, I right? It's competitive out there. Homecoming queens. <laughs> am I right? Yeah, I'm telling you, these are the people we're voting for. Yeah, it's, it's homecoming a, queens. Yeah, well, it's super competitive out there. So, <laughs> David's yeah. take as well. It's a competitive world. You got to win. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Whatever you gotta do, what you gotta do. I got a song for you, Best Friends, Hill Song, Young and Free. Turn up. In the video, I mean, the, I mean, the video just didn't do it for me. You didn't like it? No, he's. I mean, he's kind of cheesy. Yeah, it was kind of cheesy, and I mean, Romeo, you know, the whole thing. The song was a little bit. I like the song. I do like the song, but it mm-hmm. was kind of up and down for me. Like it started off real slow, and then he kind of got into a little rhythm on his little yeah. And then it kind of fell back. Well, some off of that again. was probably for the video. I'm guessing, like yeah. the intro and stuff. Yeah. Because then it cut to them in the classroom or whatever. Yeah, Hillsong Young and Free. That's their uh, that's their youth band, Hillsong's youth band. They're killing it. They're, they've been doing a just a fantastic job since they've come out. Um, 
but yeah, one of the things that it's uh, that's really, I guess, cool to see in uh, youth culture right now, and it's a, definitely spilling over into into uh, big church, big C church, is uh, just kind of that '90s style coming back. You know, mm-hmm. the resurgence of the '90s style. Yeah, um, which is really interesting to see because you know before this. You know, clothes was only getting shorter and tighter and all that. And then, I mean, that's still there. But now you have this other, you know, this other wave of mom jeans and uh, 1990s Family Matters kind of, you know, Danny yeah. Tanner style colors mm-hmm. and clothes and yeah. windbreakers and all that stuff. So that's cool to see. I'm, I mean, I guess <clears throat> I guess everything's already been done. I mean, is there anything new anymore? No, ain't you read Ecclesiastes, dude? <laughs> Come on, dude. There's boy, nothing new under the sun. Boy, the boy went to the Bible. Shoot, I thought we were on a church podcast. <laughs> <laughs> nothing's new under the sun. Oh, you know. Anyways, it's it's cool. I, we um uh, this last weekend we got a chance to to go to San Antonio uh, for the weekend. We celebrated our. Uh, um, our sixth anniversary. And, Congratulations! Uh, thank you, thank Woo. you. Love you, baby. Um, and then you know, just got a chance to spend some time with our son. We we're expecting uh, our, a little baby girl in March and all that. So this was like a a lull in the holidays, in between holidays, to mm-hmm. go out there and just kind of enjoy family time and all that. But while we were doing that, um, we got a chance to meet up with uh, Rick and Cynthia. Sweet. Great yeah, people. Awesome people. And they, they treated us to lunch when we got there and just got a chance to really talk to them for a while. And if uh, if you don't know them, then you should find out who they are. Just great people. Fantastic family. Wonderful kids. All their kids are worship leaders in different churches, mm-hmm. big churches over there. Um, but yeah, we were talking a little bit about um, just kind of the uh, responsibility in uh, um, for the young adult. Christian, you know, get your priorities straight, um, and how so much. And the reason I bring that up is because I said wheezing. The reason we bring it, I bring that up is you know watching that that video with Hillsong, Young and Free. How much of that aesthetic is is just necessary in churches now to the place to where they're spending an incredible amount of money in just trying to keep the look and i know it's always been that is this just so happens to be you know the now thing but it's always been that you know keep up with the joneses but it, it's so funny uh, we've mentioned it before how even like goodwill you know they say hey we don't want your junk anymore wait a minute you you built your whole business on junk yeah you know and now you can't even go to a uh, to a thrift shop with uh, without paying you know some big money for thrift shop items just because it's in fad it's in vogue now so uh yeah, anyway, I mean, that's it's the kind of stuff where, you know, you got worship leaders up there that are going in debt because they're trying to look the part. Mm. Well, I mean, I get it. I uh, I buy a new shirt every time I get to preach. Yeah, but you're a business owner now. <laughs> you know, you... It's a competitive world. It's a competitive yeah. world. I mean, I... I uh, you got a 12-foot tree sitting out there. You know, you can do that. It's competitive out here. I, um... Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh... For a long time, the church was behind the eight ball on this stuff. Like we had the building and we built the building and that's what the building always was, was, was the day they first built it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the world we live in right now, that's not, it's not good enough. Because uh, it is competitive out there. There is a lot of things that a lot of churches out there that are doing some uh, really cool stuff. And if you want to attract the attention of young people, 
you're going to have to have young people stuff. Yeah. You know, you, you can't have, you know, you can't sit around and watch Westerns all day and wonder why your grandkids don't want to watch TV with you. Right. You know what I'm saying? But John Wayne. Yeah. And you, you can tell them all about John Wayne, how cool he was when you was a kid. But listen, they're not going to do it. You know, we have to have a, uh, we have to have a relevant church for a relevant generation. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's always that, you know, that's all we're always having conversations about that. And that's so important that the older generation understand that, embrace that, and that be their mission while they're here. Uh, but then also for the younger, the younger young adults and the youth that are coming up as well to also understand that the traditions and everything that that is in the church, that 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 means something very dear to the people that are there. So there needs to be there needs to be a middle ground um, in a certain kind of way. But it, it, it definitely the older, more mature Christians should be the one that are more lenient on understanding, OK, we need to embrace what's out there bring them in, disciple them, yeah. but using their means and their tactics. But, you know, you never want to let down the standard. Yeah. The thing about it, change is it's the only thing that's constant is change. Um, so my thing is if you always change, then you're not scared of change. But when you never change, change is hard. Yeah. Right? And I think that a lot of a lot of times that's what churches are. If every generation can think about the next generation instead of their generation, um, church would be much easier. Yeah, yeah, and I, I always, I always think about this. Well, you know, you and I and James, you've been around, you know, you've been around it all your life as well, so you know what happens in the boardroom. You know what happens in those conversations. That it, it's just whenever you talk to somebody that isn't in the boardroom or doesn't have that kind of privileged information, they they don't understand how difficult it is because they only see it from one side mm -hmm. and the other side says, well, if the other generation doesn't get it, well then buy it's like, wait a minute, these are the ones that pay their tithe to help keep this place open, you know? And then, but then that gets into a whole nother conversation. It's like, well, should we, you know, keep them? Should, are they ransoming the church or whatever? In a sense? Yeah, they, they are. They, and we've had this conversation for years now talking about how we want to see a return on our investment. Yeah. People want to see their church. They they need a benefit. They need to see those benefits from their church. Yeah. And, it, and it, the, the thing about it is whatever we learn in the secular world, when we learn it in, you know, high school kids are being taught return on investments now. Right. So you learn it at an early age. So everything you think about when you go and you spend your money, you're thinking about, okay, what am I getting for this? You know? Um, back in the day, being on the board at a church was um, was a role in the community. Like, mm -hmm. okay, oh yeah, that's Mister So and So. He's a deacon over at the Second Baptist Church in mm -hmm. Jacinto yeah. City. You know, um, so it was a place where you you know you had stat you know stature and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. yeah, but it's not that way. No, no more. Like most churches don't even have. Uh, members anymore yeah you know they don't you don't fill out cards you just come to church and um they make things happen so and in a way i i, I like that that's happening but in another way that I, I don't and uh and maybe that is a product of my upbringing in the church and how how much i really um i gravitated toward christian traditions and and, and things of that nature because it gave so much structure that had a lot of it already had a lot of wisdom behind it, but that 
only can take you so far because when it that applied to evangelism, the next the next generation they don't understand that yet. You have to bring them up in in that they you have to show them how to respect the traditions. But just because there is tradition, I don't think that we should keep tradition just for the sake of it being tradition like thanksgiving food like yeah, thanksgiving exactly food. i think uh the uh, mega churches has really um like formed what church looks like today which is which is not always a good thing um i don't like it yeah because that's where you kind of lost memberships because how can you take memberships with at a church that has thirty thousand people yeah. you can't right so then you have this model oh we don't do memberships we just do like these connect cards and blah 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 and then so what the church down the street tries to do is what the same thing. When you got a hundred people, you know all hundred people in your church. So, um, a membership there and and uh, different programs there um, don't necess- necessarily need to look like the mega church. Yeah, and that's all that whole seeker friendly mentality of how am I going to cater to the lost? Should we cater to the lost? And I think we should absolutely be reaching to the lost. But whenever we start catering to the lost and then allowing the lost, the lost to define how we operate as a church. Look, God called us to bring people out of that into something else. And uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of intersecting lines between us and the culture and all that because we're in this world. We're not supposed to be of this world, but we are in this world. Man, finding that, finding that th- those melding points where it all looks right. I think that's that's going to look different from for every single church. It can be churches on the same street. But it's going to look different yeah, for I mean, each one. If you look at it, every every pastor is going to have a different calling, right? So his church is going to look a little bit different. But at the end of the day, that it should all all be um, built on the Bible. Yeah. You know, so um, we one church might be called to be a community church um, and just do work in our community. The other one might be a, a missions church uh, and do kind of like what our church is. We're kind of more of a mission church. And then some might be a little bit more of outreach type churches. Um, So I don't know. Yeah. And in all that, but, and I agree 100% with that, but there has to be, just like you said, it has to be based and founded. At least we need to have maybe not all things the same, but we need to have some foundational pieces. Yeah. The same. Yeah. 75, 80% of the church should be exactly the same. Yeah. And then the, the calling comes in and it just, gives it a little bit different niche right yeah and then that kind of just leads into what we're talking about tonight which is uh you know whenever we uh we're, we're thinking of topics we're, we're we're you know have a sounding board on on what should we talk about uh we always want this to come out as an organic conversation that's why sometimes we're not as prepared as some could be right <laughs> but but that's the whole thing that's the whole thing behind this behind this refuge project uh idea it's a conversation amongst friends it's a safe place we can come to revelation at any moment and it's all natural so when we were talking about um you know tonight what we can do uh, I threw it out there and said hey let's let's talk about uh let's talk about Christians and drinking Christians and alcohol and then James or or I don't know if it was yeah and then uh James was like hey let's talk about Christians 
Christians that cuss. Can a Christian cuss? Should they? Let's put them together. Let's bulk them all in together. So um, definitely a subject that can span multiple episodes. But uh, if I can start us off here, uh, I want to I want to start off on uh, on drinking. Right. Um, That's one of those uh, topics. That's one of those topics that divides churches. It's one of those topics that divides congregations and and. You know, now that's that whenever we're talking about seeker, seeker, uh, sensitive churches, there's those wine and cheese Bible study churches. Mm-hmm. There's those churches. And, I, I, you know, I've got them in my feed, people that will hold a Bible study at the local pub. And uh, and there you have your pastor getting plastered with uh, the congregants. Plastered. Yeah. Plastered. One of my one of my uh, uh, preacher crushes, this this girl, I, I, I'm not going to say her name, but uh Found out that who said that's who she was, man. And I used to have a little, you know, that's my, my uh, <laughs> a drinking, drinking pastor or what? Yeah, you know they have they have wine and stuff at their Bible studies and you know at their at their small groups and stuff like that. And I was just like, ah, you know, not that I think of it that you should have wine, but I don't know. Anyways, we'll, well, get, well, it. we'll before, get into well, it. Yeah, 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 yeah we'll we'll, Before it. we get started on that, just kind of full disclosure. Uh, of just my biases on the table, right? I I am I do not drink. I come I come from a uh, an alcoholic uh, abuse background. I abused alcohol before my conversion into Christianity, and so I, I know exactly the the faults, the dangers, the what is so intriguing about it and all of that. And it all started, well, I'm a social drinker and all that. But my bias is all just out there. I do not drink. Uh, if you if somebody would ask me, do, do you believe that a Christian should drink? My answer would be no. Um, but uh, again, like I said, we'll get into it. I think the better question is, uh, more defined is somebody says, will a Christian go to hell for drinking? Now, the answer to that one, surprisingly, would be No. Mine is just to follow up on that same uh, abuser of alcohol, um, borderline alcoholic. I don't know if I was there because it was just kind of a party thing, but heavy, heavy. I was an alky. I was. Um, most people probably would say I was an alcoholic, but I like to stay on the fence. <laughs> um, father was an alcoholic, major alcoholic, been sober for many years now. Uh, also abused drugs. Don't. Don't drink because of those things. Do I think that you'll go to hell for alcohol? No. Do I think it's a sin? Maybe yes, sometimes. Maybe yeah. yes, sometimes. Yeah. But, and then also no. Yeah. What about you, James? Um, grew up grew up in a Christian household, so my whole family, it's always been like no alcohol, anything, like really, really, really hard. Um, so I, I have drank in some. Um, I don't really, I wouldn't consider myself, if you had said, do I drink? I would say not really, but I have had an occasional glass of wine with dinner or something. If we went to some fancy place or something, but anyway, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I, well, let's just get into some scripture real quick. I want to bring out, going to bring out a lot of scripture to you today, but I, this one's also going to lead into that other conversation on how should a Christian cuss. Can a Christian cuss? Should we cuss? But this kind of all encompassing, but you'll see where I'm going. So this one's found in Romans chapter 14 and uh, starting on verse 15. So it says, if your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone whom Christ 
for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, people and and joy in the Holy Spirit, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us, therefore, make every effort to do what leads people and to, and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother and sister to fall. So just straight out the gate, um, whether or not you think that we should drink, we should cuss, we should not cuss. I'm not saying it's irrelevant, but what I'm saying is that first we need to have a heart for people and how our actions, what we eat, what we drink affect other people, other believers in their walk. The things that we do, it should always be to be Christ-centered and to glorify Christ in our actions, in what we consume, what we don't consume, and when it's time to consume it. Um, Like I said in the beginning, I am what is referred to as a teetotaler, right? And that is complete, uh, I can completely abstain from alcoholic beverages and all of that stuff. But for me, the reasons, and I have my biblical foundation in that, but, but the reasons that I do it have a lot to do with how I know, how I know it affects me and my relationship with others and my relationship with God. Um, you will find nowhere. Interestingly, you will find nowhere in the, in scripture where it says that if you drink, an alcoholic beverage that you will go to hell. But on the other side, you will find it says that no drunkard will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Being drunk is a sin, no doubt. That is in the, the word. But what is not a sin, it says that you can partake. Now, the Christian on the other side, um, and let's talk a little bit about this. Um, the Christian on the other side, they... they I've always understood it like this. Um, Why would I tempt myself that way, being around something that I know for me personally, Mm -hmm. that I have a very addictive kind of personality when it comes to that. And whenever it's in in front of me, I know that I just can't do one. So I personally stay away from it. Yeah. And... um, and just just a, a little quick testimony here on on all of that. Whenever I first got saved, um, one of my big struggles was, and I've shared the story before, but one of my big struggles was I, I used to love drinking. I used to love uh, liquor and beer and all that stuff. And I remember probably about a month into my salvation, my brother takes me to this concert. I didn't even want to go to the concert anymore because I I just I wanted to be in church. It took me out of church, and I, I, when I got saved, I got saved, you know. And I, and I was just like, I don't want to do anything else. I just need to do this. But anyway, he already bought the ticket, so why not? So we get there, and I'm, again, I'm only a month in at this time. And then my brother's like, "Hey, you want me to buy a beer?" And I'm like, "I'm trying. I'm like searching at this for for a, a Christian contact in my phone." And I'm like, "Can a Christian drink? Can a Christian?" I get no response, so I just finally cave in and say. Yeah, sure, whatever. So uh, my prayers before that time was, God, I need you to 
change my mind about how I think about alcohol. And uh, and at that night, it was it was confirmed that God had changed me because it took me the entirety of that concert, which was like a three and a half hour concert. It took me the entirety of that concert to drink one cup of beer at that time. And every drink was dreadful to me. And like, you know, a month and a half ago, yeah. I mean, I, I was just chugging, drinking 12 yeah, of them, chugging yeah. them, you know, and I, I loved the taste. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that God supernaturally changed my taste buds for it to where even the smell now makes me gag. Yeah. I think when we, when we, when we look in the Bible, when we look at the scriptures about drinking, everything says, don't be a heavy drinker. Don't be moderation. Uh, and everything's in moderation. Right. Um, especially when it talks about elders, um, you know, it talks about don't, don't be drinking, don't have dishonest gains and different things like that. So it's important, especially if you're in leadership, um, that you recognize positions you hold. And then, so if you look at, if you look at that, then you have to look at yourself as a man. What are you in leadership of? Well, first you're in the leadership of your house, right? So it's important that you set, you set um, that foundation in there for your children and, and your, and your wife and those things. So, you know, I, I remember my grandmother, Right, I can always remember my grandmother having um, a couple beers and in a, in a bottle of wine in her refrigerator. You know, never seen her drunk. Mm-hmm. But guess what? Both of her sons were alcoholics mm-hmm. because the foundation when there was always alcohol in the house. Yeah. Right, so when they got to the age, they started indulging in the alcohol, and then what's what? What's a young person do when you you know as a monkey see monkey do? Yeah, and they just start drinking it, and then, and then you know they abuse it. So it's one of those things that you know we all <clears throat> we're all leaders leaders of somebody. Yeah, you know? so we have to be we have to be real careful of that. And then the other thing that I was looking up was um, and I, and I wrote it down because I didn't want to they want to forget this. So when they were talking about drinking. And um, in the Bible, um, about two years ago, I remember this podcast, and I went back and looked it up, and they were talking about the difference between ancient alcohol and current alcohol. And um, today, a beer is between five and twelve percent uh, alcohol, right? Mm-hmm. Wine is eleven and sixteen percent. In the ancient times, a beer was two to three percent alcohol, and eight to ten percent. Um, and then also in the wine, they diluted it two cups wine, three cups water. Mm-hmm. So even when they were drinking, it was much less alcohol than we're consuming in one beer. Yeah. You know, um, so when we say, oh, we're just drinking socially. No, they were drinking socially. Mm-hmm. You know, we're drinking alcohol. Yeah. Um, so. I think it's a little bit different. If you want to go apples for apples, then, you know, if you drink a beer, pour three beers of water into, on top of it, and then now we're equal. Another right. thing with that, I, I heard the other day, I don't know how accurate this is, but um, supposedly a lot of the beverages back in older times were alcoholic just because it would help keep things, because, uh, you know, like you get alcohol and stuff, it 
uh, helps with like bacteria, bacteria and whatever, exactly. all that kind yep. of stuff. So yeah. a lot of their stuff was fermented just so that they could drink it. Exactly. Right. And then the other thing is like, you know, and like everything else, we have these like super yeast now. You know, they didn't mm-hmm. have access to all that stuff. We've we've bred these yeast yeah, to be and their distillation processes and all yeah, that. It's yeah, it's all it's all uh, even more uh, you know, that we'll take a wine and then distill wine to make it ninety eight proof. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And there's an entire industry behind the whole get you drunk yeah. mentality. It's a party lifestyle now. Say, so, well, I don't believe that. I look at any alcohol related commercial or advertisement, mm-hmm. it's always advertising the party. Yeah. Uh, my my uh, first pastor always well, he used this illustration of uh, of billboards, right? Of uh, billboards for um, either these beer companies or or uh, liquor companies. And he said, whenever you look at it, you always see beautiful people, right? And they're all abbed out, and you know, in some uh, sexy location. And the people are even sexier than the location, right? Nobody's got a beer belly. Nobody's got none, none of that, right? But they're just all pretty people living it up and, and having a good time. Having a good time, no bloodshot eyes, none of that stuff. And uh, and they, that he said that is so. That's what they're trying to sell you: a image, a, a a this alternate reality that if you drink this product, if you have this product, then you are one step closer to getting to that reality. But he said, but where the real reality is is whenever you look at the base of that billboard and you see all the broken bottles and all the trash and garbage, and what that represents is all the broken dreams and all the oh. all the all the people that have have lost a fight against alcohol whenever and we all know people that have lost mm-hmm. the fight against alcohol and that is a better representation you lose all your money you lose your family you lose everything at the end of that trail and some people say well you know I only do it in moderation well does the bible necessarily teach moderation for social purposes whenever we look at wine especially the positive things in the bible about wine it's it's always for celebration, for a uh, a cleansing of some sort, for a medicinal purpose, um, or to commemorate, right? Just some grand event, um, um, and then it's also used symbolically for God's wrath in other places as well. But what you brought up as well, and, and this is this is the main this is the main one people defenders of. I can drink as much as I want. Say, well, Jesus turned water into wine. And then uh, whenever I, I first encountered that conversation, I, I wanted to find proof of, okay, no. You know, how in the world is a loving Savior going to, at the end of the party, at the end of the party when all the wine is drank already, then he's going to bring the good stuff? And how is a, is a loving, righteous Savior gonna be condoning people to sin how is he going to how can you justify that says any drunkard is not going to enter in by the way here's a couple kegs Mm -hmm. you know that just doesn't make sense the logic doesn't allow for that you know so I, i went and looked it up and the words that are used there for that kind of wine was unfermented Mm-hmm. unfermented wine at the miracle at, at the at the marriage of cana it wasn't this alcoholic uh super alcoholic wine that uh you know the bible condemns over and over proverbs chapter 20 where verse 1 says wine is a mocker and beer a brawler whoever uh whoever is led astray by them is not wise proverbs 23 1 
Do not gaze at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. You know, these are some warnings and saying, look, get away, mm-hmm. get away from that tough stuff. Get away from that thing. Um, um, uh, Romans 13, back to Romans 13. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. That's so telling. Yeah. You know, that's so telling of, of, of why those warnings are there. Whenever people have liquid courage in them, right? And you can't, you know, liquid courage in quotations because you guys can't see it. But that's how is it that that is always the wick, right? That that uh, gets lit first. Or that's the thing that lights that candle, I guess, however you want to phrase that. Um, and after all that, whenever somebody gets drunk, then you find them wanting or putting themselves in places where they cheat on their spouse. They, uh, you know, now they're trying to uh, uh, lie about where they're at, where they're going, who they're with, uh, how much they spend. Um, and it leads them to, to yeah, just places here. And it's always sexual. It's always immoral. And it, there, there's, there is very... I remember having a conversation with a young man and I was asking him, tell me one way in which in which you drinking with other people, especially the unbeliever, has led to a conversion or has led to anything spiritual, like a spiritual breakthrough. Tell me where it has benefited. Now, I'm not I'll I'll submit there, there might be somebody out there that has had that, you know, encounter. But I know in my encounters and the people that I know that when has anybody ever said, because I took this shot with you, that's why I'm sitting in this church. <laughs> yeah. I, my, my thing with so all those warnings, right? All those warnings, all those warnings, all those warnings. Well, why is the warning there, right? So would you play Russian roulette? Load the, load the revolver up, spin it, pull the trigger? Mm-mm. No. One out of six people that drink alcohol turn into alcoholics mm-hmm. I mean that's why the warnings are there yeah and then was the alcoholic somebody that doesn't have a control of what they're drinking um, and and the thing like you can really look at yourself and go what is it what is the situation that I'm drinking in mm-hmm. is the thing that I'm doing surrounded by the alcohol you know or are you sitting down to a steak dinner and having a glass of wine and going home or are you always looking for somewhere that you can go to drink? Mm-hmm. Or those same people that you're going to sit around and just sit around and drink? I mean, that's it's, it's about what your intentions yeah. are, you know? Um, so, yeah, I think it's one of those things, you know, like Paul was was telling the people, just because it's good for you doesn't mean that it's, that just because you can have it doesn't mean it's good for you. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and like exactly what you said, you know, people have made a golden calf out of alcohol and drinking. Um, will they still be there if the drink is not there? Right. You know, and the people worship at the altar of alcohol, and they don't want to admit it, um, but they do. They that is their god. That's who they bow down to. That's what they look forward to whenever they get home from work. What did people say? My dad always used to say this before he got sober. Um, he's like, no, I just do it to, to, you know, to just kind of unwind and de-stress and all that. And like, dude, you are plastered. You're, you're ramped (laughs) up because you have to have it. That's why you needed to wind down. It's an addiction. Yes. It's and anything that is an addiction to you that you can't break from. 
it's wrong. Whether it's alcohol or Christmas trees in your house. I think it's, I think it, <laughs> I think it's, you know, that was that's the joke when we, we pull all this stuff out of the, the garage and we just bring in one bucket at a time and go, we don't have a problem. We don't have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, um, dang it, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, I think it's funny. I think it's funny that the people that are always arguing this point, um, you know, you won't see them at church for a while. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, dang, man, where'd old buddy go? And you call them, and they were just like, oh, yeah, I'm just trying to work some things out, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And then they finally come back to church, and, you, you know, you, you finally get to talk to them, and they'll open up to you, and they're just like, yeah, man, start drinking again. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, I thought just one drink wasn't an issue. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It always goes, but oh, yeah, man, I started smoking again, or I started mm-hmm. doing this again. And it's always that same thing that that God broke them free from when they came to church. Right. Yeah. And then they get, you know, when the chains are broken and gone, for whatever reason, you feel like you can pick some of that stuff back up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And and the the thing with that, it's, it's, uh, it, it inebriates you, right? It, it 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 doesn't allow you to to have full capacity of your thought process. And whenever we're we're talking about you know a Christian life, a Christian, somebody that's fully submitted to God, well, God wants our mind. That's how God brings about change and transformation in people. It happens through the mind. Whenever God can change your mind and has control of your mind, let this mind be in you that was in Christ right, Jesus. Exactly. That, that's what it says. But whenever we introduce these substances that take control of our mind, we are essentially putting that, and, and, and it's drunkenness, that drunkenness is what is wedged in between your relationship with God and that's why it's a sin because it is an idol. It, your drunkenness is a wedge between the relationship that you have with God because it drives everything now. And God is a jealous God. Mm-hmm. That's why He doesn't want it. Yeah, and I think that. I mean, I think. Okay, let's look at it this way. You know, it, it's not just alcohol. I think water could be a sin. Yeah. Right. So you say, well, Pastor, they have water be a sin. I mean, that we need that to survive. What about if you're drinking the water and you're supposed to be giving it to your brother because he's he's thirsty, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you're overdoing it, or you're out at the water fountain through the whole church service because you don't want to sit in there yeah. and listen to the pastor, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So now we just take those things and use oh that's simple things, but now let's look at it. Yeah, now, well, King David did that whenever he was in the cave and he was thirsting for some water from the fountains of Jerusalem and uh, and his his soldiers went and got him that risking their lives they brought it back to him so he can drink so he can you know drink to 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 re, to encourage himself they were doing it to be a blessing but if David would have drank that he understood these guys put their life on the line just for me to uh, to enjoy that sin yeah that would absolutely be sin and he poured it out yeah, he poured for all his homies. Yeah, so I mean, it's just, it's just simple <laughs> things like that that we just think, oh, well, alcohol can't be. Yeah, a uh, little bit of water on the desert floor. Yeah, I remember uh, somebody asking me uh, years ago. Uh, he's a worship leader, actually, but he was kind of playing devil's advocate at that point. He mm-hmm. says, "So can a Christian smoke weed? Then I mean, God made God made the plants, right? You know, and and he doesn't believe that at all. But he was just trying to prod me. Well, I think that. 
this is going to be a legitimate conversation very soon, yeah. right? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, it's already legal in so many states, and mm-hmm. Texas is already passing some laws where you can use it for some medical uh, uses and different things like that. Mm-hmm. So the church is going to have to deal with it very, very soon. Yeah. Um, but I've never smoked weed and not got high, mm-hmm. right? So if you're saying if you can drink but don't get drunk, see, you need smoke and not get high. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be one of those things. So I don't, I don't think that weed you're going to be able to smoke without getting high. And here's the thing: if if there's a, and I know there's plenty of Christians out there that do drink, but these Christians should be the ones that have that pay the most attention to where that drunk line is, because if they if they fault it, right, then then they're guilty. They they are sinning before God. I don't have to worry about that because I completely abstain from it. But mm-hmm. the people that are the proponents of it saying, I can be a Christian and I can drink as well. And yeah, I mean, the Bible doesn't say you can't drink. It says don't get drunk, right? I, I will submit that. There is no scripture that you will find that says that, that you cannot drink. But you will find an abundance that says if you get drunk. Mm-hmm. And the warnings mm-hmm. and the condemnations are on the drunk side. Now... For the Christian with discernment, the sermon of the Holy Spirit, you have to know what that line is. And again, why would you want to walk the line? Why would you want to tempt the Lord that way? Yeah. And people don't view it that way. I, I get it. But, but it, you know, if, if the heart, and I believe that the heart of a Christian, any Christian, should be to want to be completely submitted to God and want to be pleasing to God. That should be the heart of the Christian. That that person coming into that maturity in their relationship with with Christ should say, "I don't, I don't need to approach this. I don't even need to get closest. Why do I need to be the one that's always walking the line?" And uh, which is what we were, how we started this conversation with the whole like progressive Christian movement. There's a lot of good things coming from it, but then there's a lot of worldly, fleshly things that are coming too. And, uh, you know, sometimes tradition needs to be the one that has that line deep that you cannot cross. Yeah, I think this this is the thing for me. Like, as Christians, especially, you know, this generation, we walk, uh, and, and I'm, we were just talking about this before the podcast, about my message this, this Sunday. Like, I, I tend to walk the line, push the envelope a little bit. Well, that's just a generation, right? So just because it says, the Bible says, doesn't say don't do it, we're going we're gonna to take it all the way to the line. Okay, well, I had four glasses last week, and I started kind of feeling something, so I'm just going to back it down with three glasses, mm-hmm. right? So that's, what, that's, that's our line. But, we, but we, we, what we have to realize is we have our spirit, and then we have our flesh, mm-hmm. Right. So the more that we feed our flesh, because wine has nothing to do with our spirit. Tell me, tell me one thing wine has to do with our spirit. Nothing. So the more we feed our flesh, the stronger our flesh gets, and then the weaker our spirit gets. Yeah. So if you're going to sit here and you're going to tell me that, oh, it's okay for me to do that, then everything that I've read, everything that I've been taught is strengthen the spirit, not the flesh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So what are we doing? Yeah. And in fact, there's scripture in there that says that we need to be drunk with the spirit and not with wine. Come on. You know? Um, and then just because you brought it up, I want to just give the people a little reference note here on what Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23 to 24. He says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good but the good of others. Right. And, and as a Christian, we have a mission, right? And that's go out and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the last time I looked, we're way more effective without a beer in our hand. Right. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. What about cursing? Son of a bleep. <laughs> I don't have a bleep button. <laughs> we need a bleep button so I can curse on here more. Um. I'll, this this is my thoughts on Christian, and I don't have a I don't have a I don't have no scriptures in it. But I was just thinking about it. I mean, the, the I could have brought some scriptures, but it was just talking about don't be crude and and vulgar and indecent and all those things. And we know the scriptures and all those things. But when I when I think about Christians that curse, and every time I hear it, I'm just like, Ugh. it's cringy. It doesn't yeah. feel good to me, mm-hmm. right? It, it, and I guarantee you it ain't my flesh. My flesh don't go, ah, oh, you know, the one holding my beer. Uh-huh. Yeah, not, not uh-huh. that, one, that one, no cringe. No. Uh, it's my spirit, you know, and I just don't get it. And some of them are pastors. Yeah. Yeah, I got some foul language. <laughs> so when I, th- I started thinking about it, I was just like, what, what really is, what really is, and especially when we talk about Words like God and Jesus Christ. When you just throw around, oh God, mm-hmm. or you hit your thumb, Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, those words. The Bible just tells us don't use God's name in vain. And I really feel like you don't have to say GD to be using God's name in vain, mm-hmm. right? And all my kids went through it. All my kids, when they were little, they would be like, oh God, mm-hmm. um, and I'm like, don't say that. They were like. What's the big deal? What's the big deal? It's just God, you know? And so we had to go through those things. But for me, that that's definitely using God's name in vain. Mm-hmm. But when you use words like God, Jesus Christ, damn, hell, those things. Out of context. Out of context, right? Because mm-hmm. you can say damn, and it's called talking about the water, uh, you know, the beavers do and all that stuff, yeah. right? You know, you can talk about God as a, a good God and Jesus as somebody that died on the cross mm-hmm. um, and hell as a, you know, as a place. Yeah. But when you start using it as vulgar words, this is the problem, that these are very impactful and meaning words, meaningful words that uh, are very important to our faith. Yes. And we start throwing these things around like they're nothing. We devalue the meaning of them and we devalue their importance. So now God is just God. Exactly. Hell is just oh, just something that we say, not a place that you're going to die and go to forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So for me, we have to put a premium on these words and hold them to what they really are and not just throw them around like they're nothing. Yeah, and you know, earlier you also brought up with the whole drinking thing. Oh, and by the way, these are the ones that 
Christians use hell and damn. They don't use the F word. Mm -hmm. They don't use the B word. Mm -hmm. They don't use those because those are cuss words. Those are. Yeah. But we just use these little fringe words that we think, oh, it's still okay. Yeah. Now, my, uh, again, my first pastor, I mean, he, he had a lot to deal with for me. <laughs> but, but he, he, I'm glad he dealt with it before you came over here. <laughs> he preached a message where, uh, and, and it stayed with me to this day, and that's 13 years ago, um, where he was, uh, he preached a message on glorified curse words. Mm-hmm. So it's not even the actual words itself, it's anything said with, uh, with an evil intent, behind oh, frick. anything. Yeah. I was just talking to Pastor Ron about it, and he and uh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut no, you no, off, no, but no. just real quick, quick story. He said when he was a kid in uh, junior high or high school that uh, he played basketball, and he would miss a shot, and he'd go, "Oh, foot," you know. And then his mom came to him one day and said, "Hey, uh, your cousin says he doesn't go to church," and and Pastor Ron felt like he was a really good Christian, and he he always was, you know, and. Uh, uh, Jabbo Green, I forgot his his brother. His brother says he don't go to church because if that's what a Christian is, and he curses all the time. Mm-hmm. And Pastor Ron was just like, it just like it came to him like it's not just the the, the words that are identified, yeah. But when you use those substitute words, you might as well just go ahead and and say them things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and to that, it's it can be anything. It's 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 more of a. What's in your heart, and and it really doesn't even necessarily matter what words come out after that. And Jesus go, talks about that. You know, in the Old Testament, says if uh, you know that uh, I can't even think about it right now. But Jesus goes and he says that uh, <laughs> I'm all broken up. But he said where if you even hate your brother now, you're already guilty of murder. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Back then, back then you had to murder the dude. Right, you had to hate him. You had to. He said, "Look, if you even have the thought or the inclination of uh, of, of, of ill will toward another human being, you are already guilty of committing that crime." A lot of people think that Jesus came and made everything a lot simpler. That we don't have to, you know, He broke the law. Well, first of all, He didn't break the law. He fulfilled the law, and in that, He also elevated the law he transcended the law into another law now we are yes under the perfect law of liberty which the bible says right we have our liberalities in christ but what that really means is that he has elevated the standard to a place where you can only get there by the holy spirit you can only get that you can only be pleasing to god whenever you are walking in the spirit and those words don't show life those words show death Right. right, and we are not to speak death; we are to bring life. Um, uh, the the uh, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount said, "Blessed are the peacemakers." We are called to bring peace. Whenever we bring those words, those are not words that bring peace. Those are very divisive words that are meant to separate and they're meant to categorize. Whenever we're talking about damn, then we're talking about those that are damned, right? People that are are living in disobedience to God and will be judged and they are damned to an eternity in hell. And I agree 100% with what you're saying. That words do matter. I think last year sometime, uh, and I'm on record on one of these podcasts saying this, we are in a war of words now, where words and the meaning of those words, they do matter. And that is under attack. Because whenever you start taking away power from certain words, and you start uh, trying to change the definition of what is, is, you know, uh, uh, then 
then it's all free game. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's, I really like what the Bible does here because it doesn't say the F word or the B word. It doesn't say, don't say these words. It just says, uh, vulgar, crude, indecent, mm-hmm. because it knows in every era, in every generation, in every culture, there's going to be some words yeah, some that are not slang. appropriate for, you know, the common people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like, okay, look, I'm going to just cover this for the next 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 <laughs> years. Yeah. I do crew people, man. Y'all just need to watch, watch your language. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, there's kids in the room. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's that instance that can happen where one word in this part of the world means one thing that is that where it's completely acceptable in regular talk, and it doesn't mean something vulgar. It means something completely different. And then another side, on the other side of the world, it might be the worst thing you can possibly say to somebody. You have to be mindful of where you're at. Yeah, the culture. I remember one time uh, this foreigner was talking about cats, but he didn't call it cats. He used the p word, mm-hmm. and I was just like. What, what, what's going on here? But in his culture, yeah. that word wasn't, you know, the female vagina here in the United States, you mm-hmm. know? So it's just one of those things that it, we take the word and we define it, you, def, you know, what do you, we do, what do you would call that? Define it. Yeah, we define it as something that's dirty, mm-hmm. you yeah. know? So Well, that's the first time that I think vagina's been said on this podcast. So. <laughs> We've been a lot of places over the last couple of weeks. So. Um, yeah, my whole thing with it is just like, like you said, when we like replace the bad word with a less bad word that we think is okay to say, but you still say it with the same intent, it's just know that like you're doing the same thing yeah. as the people that actually said the word that and, you're trying to, you know? Man, and... and when you're talking about God's kingdom, intent is everything. Yeah. Yeah. You and, know? And you brought this up earlier. Like the guy saying the the kitty yeah. cat word. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He didn't mean anything about it at all. Yeah. You know, and, and this with drinking, with cussing words to say, not to say, it, it does look different for leaders. Leaders yeah. are called to a higher standard. Not that, not that we'll be... Well, we actually lead anybody that leads anything. You are going to be judged differently, especially if you're a leader in the church. Yeah. If you're a teacher in the church, the Bible just flat out says your judgment is going to be greater than somebody that is not called into those areas of leadership. But, you know, what is good for the goose should be good for the gander because you are the example. And just like you were talking about with the whole um lessening i guess of your convictions that whenever that's multiplied over generations somebody can be holding the line you know up here and then and then here's the thing with people that whenever the leader and it is it always starts with the leader they're the ones that are the moral compass for everybody and everything a a congregation can never or should never be on a higher moral ground than the leader. Never. Never. It's not going to work. If that happens, the structure, the organization, the church will implode on itself. Not just the church. Any organization. Anything. Anything. Mm-hmm. It will implode. It's the leader that sets the standard. They're like thermostats. They need to be there. Not thermometers. The people need to be thermometers. The leaders are thermostats. They're the ones that set the temperature in the room. And everybody else should echo what that temperature is. Right? But whenever you get leaders that um, diminish, di- diminish the the importance of 
value, morality, ethics, then everybody else that's under that leader will say, okay, well, he set the standard here, but I'm not called to that. So I'm just going to go right a little bit below that. And that's good enough because, you know, I'm not him. I'm not a pastor. Right. So I'll just go right below him right there. Well, what happens whenever you start multiplying that out from generation to generation, the standard is always going to be lowered, lowered, lower entropy, mm-hmm. right? It will break down to a place where now what we have now, what we have now in the church, and I'm talking about Big C Church, not just Elam Church, but Big C Church is the least amount of, uh, the least amount of, I guess, moral high ground that we've ever had in the church. Yeah, I, I agree. I uh, I can always tell who, who you was discipled by. If I, if I know your <laughs> discipler, I'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah. you you set up under, mm-hmm. and they were like, yeah, how'd you know? Well, you talk just like them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You sound just like them, you know? So if you're not right, guess what? It's mm-hmm. just like my, just like uh, one time, I uh, I was in there shaving, and uh, Luke, he was probably, I don't know, four or five years old, and he was watching me shave, but I was just looking in the mirror, making sure I, you know, slice the meat off, and so I looked over him in the mirror, and we caught eye to eye in the mirror, and as we're looking each other dead in the eye, I realized that this kid is watching me to be just like me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the weight of his life, of his 60, 70, 80 years, instantly become on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, and then that's what I was just really thinking, man, I have a responsibility as a leader of my house. You know? And so now when I think about leading whatever it is, I think about Luke at four or five years old looking at me in the eyes, wanting to be just like me. Yeah. You know, taking those same traits. We have pictures that Sandra would take a picture. She'll be, we'll be in the store somewhere and we'll both be standing there. And we're standing exactly the same. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we got your hand on our pocket or whatever it is. And we're standing exactly the same because he's watched me over the years and mimicked everything that I've done. So if a leader's out there drinking and cussing, guess what? The people in your church is out there drinking and cussing. Exactly. And, so. and they're not gonna they're not gonna be doing it to your level, they're gonna be doing it to their level, yeah. which yeah. is always less. Hopefully. So, so it's worse. No, no, but this is less meaning bad. It's As gonna in be like worse. the bar being Yeah, but yeah. hopefully, like hopefully that they they don't have more more cup more moral compass than you. Yeah, you know yeah, no, it shouldn't it shouldn't be that. It shouldn't yeah. be that at all. And you know, like Paul, whenever Paul was talking about, about uh, eating meat, right? He says, well, meat was made for the belly. Right? We've talked about this. Mm-hmm. That meat was made for the belly. And my belly was created to eat meat. Yeah. Right? But if eating meat offends my brother, then I will eat no meat. And what is he talking about? Well, culturally, where he was at, meat... Meat wasn't widely available like it is. Well, I can't even say like it is now because, uh, you know, man, fajita is like a man, $14 a pound or something. Oh, my goodness. 
Yeah, anyway. I eat a lot of chicken fajita now. Mm-hmm. We had chicken fajita tonight because you go look at chicken fajita versus oh, yeah. beef. It's like beef prices 16, are crazy. $17 versus $8. All Anyways, day, go ahead. All day, every day. But at that time, the meat that was offered, the meat that was available was always meat that was offered to... Uh, to, uh, to uh, it's offerings, the offerings, but to false gods, yeah. to pagan gods. It was a pa- pagan religion, and uh, yeah. So whenever you get these new Christian converts that are coming in, and they're seeing other Christians now eating of that meat, it, they they're stuck between two now. Like, wait a minute, I thought that well, the God that we're serving, we're not supposed to be idolizing these other things, the things that you know, the false things of this world, the false gods, false this, and their practices and all that. So. Now that I see you, somebody that is, uh, in my estimation, a leader, somebody that's been doing this a whole lot longer, your relationship with Jesus is is uh, where I hopefully can be one day. Whenever you're eating meat that's offered unto other gods, what is that communicating to me? Oh, that I can go do it. But the, that person doesn't have the spiritual maturity and, uh, and and wisdom yet, the knowledge yet, to understand that that piece of steak was made for my belly and that belly was made to eat that piece of steak. Whenever I eat that piece of meat, it's not to worship Molech, you know, it's not that at all. It's because I want to get down on some red meat, right? But in the eyes of the weaker, in the eyes of the person that is still developing, they're seeing it as me being a partaker of uh, another uh, another religion, another kind of worship that God doesn't allow. So that puts them in this space of like, wait a minute. It, it puts them in a battle and they can't understand it. So what Paul was saying there was like, look, I am not going to sacrifice my brother and sister just to fulfill my needs, just because I know that it's right. I know why I'm eating it, but mm-hmm. they don't know why I'm eating it. Mm-hmm. So for the for the time. I'm not going to eat it. Yeah. And that went on for like, you know, a long time. And finally, Jesus had to come and say, look, Gentiles, Jews, cut it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Y'all are the same people, you know? Yeah. Um, anyways. Uh, yeah. So listen, if you're a leader out there, especially you probably want to stay away from some of these things, um, set the standard. Yep. Yeah. Right. Um, the standard is Jesus. Get it closest to it as you can for the people that are following you. And then follow somebody that's uh, ahead of you. If you're following somebody that's behind you, you're probably in the wrong spot. You're yeah. going the wrong way. Going the wrong yeah. way. You, you turned left when you should have right. turned right. You know. Right. So to finish it out, should a Christian drink? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's better not to. I think. So. I think you can. You could fall into sin. So you probably shouldn't do anything that would tempt you to fall into sin. Yeah. Man, I'm like a. I'm like you, well, I guess both of you, where you're saying like, uh, uh, like you get addicted to certain things and you'll find out like, I found different things in my life where I'm like, oh, I can't do that anymore because I like, I don't, I don't have an Xbox anymore just cause I know I'll play all the time. Mm. There's nothing wrong with playing some video games here and there, but like, I know I will just play all the time cause that's what I did when I was a teenager. One night when I was in college, I, uh, my college days, I was really stupid and I would never sleep in cause I was just doing too much stuff. And uh, one night I had some tests and I was falling asleep like right before the test started. And the teacher's like, yeah, we're going to start in five minutes, get ready or whatever. And I was like, I got to go get some coffee or something because I was, I, was, I was like, there's no way I'm going to stay awake for this test like this. I think I slept like an hour a night before 
anyway so i got out the vending machine and the only thing they had was one of those nos energy drinks mm. which at the time i had never had a nos before and i remember i drank the nos and was taking the test and i just remember taking the test being like I feel like you was on crack no i just I, no no i didn't feel like that i just felt really good and i was like i'm thinking really clearly right now and i remember just being like i should not be this like functioning at this high of level with this. And I was like, I can't have a NOS ever again because I'll just drink NOSes every day. Forget the food. He's like, we're not eating anymore. All NOS. Yeah. <laughs> just cause I just know that's how I am. So there's been like a handful of things where like I've done one thing and been like, Oh, I can't do this anymore. Cause I'm just going to do it all the time. Yeah. And I stay uh, off. I stay off of uh, social media now. I mean, like, because I just get caught up in stuff, mm-hmm. you know. I'm, I I have YouTube and I, I do YouTube, but I don't do Instagram. I don't do Facebook. I don't do every once in a while I get on Facebook and post something, but I don't get into the comments. I don't read yeah. other people's stuff. Um, I stay away from Instagram. For me, Instagram was bad because it it knows me like too well, you know, and it's always going to flash up things that it's drawing me in and the that's endless feed, the endless yeah. feed and all the fine women on there and all that stuff. So I'm just like, I'm, I'm out, you yeah. know, did you ever uh, seen some, uh, something in an algorithm and been like, Oh dang, why is that in my algorithm? Well, Sandra asked me that before yeah. she was just like, why is this stuff in your feed? Like mm-hmm. the only reason it's going to be in your feed is you click on it. I'm like, I don't use I don't use it, but it knows who you are, mm-hmm. how old you are, if you're white male, 46, blah, blah, blah. So guess what it's going to put on there? Mm-hmm. All that stuff that white male in 46 like, but it's just they don't know that I'm not really white. But even a, <laughs> even a lot of that stuff, like you don't even have to like click on the videos or uh-huh. click on the photos. Like it knows how long you were over there before you kept on scrolling. Like it knows so much. So even if you're just like, oh, what's that? And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. And kept going. Like, it knows that you did yeah. that, and it's well, going to give you more of that. I think, I don't know if you was here when we was talking about it a couple of weeks ago. Now that you don't even have to um, join groups before they add you. If you yeah, just will, yeah. if you just click on it, mm-hmm. they'll add you to the group. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. yeah, crazy. No, and it, I don't know and, why we're talking and, about this. Yeah. <laughs> no, because no, 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 it, it's like it's addictive. It's, so it's not oh, just yeah, cursing, it's stuff. not yeah, just yeah. alcohol, no. it's all, anything it's that's anything. addictive. Yeah. It's addictive behaviors, and and, yeah. and you know we have to be able to identify sin patterns. And and whenever we're drinking, it 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 lowers our ability to guard against these things, and we fall dead into it. And 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 how we speak because we're talking about cursing and all that. How we speak, it it it, it shows. And I, I made a post about that today, actually. But what we say is an outward manifestation of our heart's desires, and what's in our heart will always come out. And people can tell. People can absolutely tell if you have a heart that is devoted toward Jesus or if you are a heart, if you have a heart devoted to self and only self. Right. You have to have somebody hold you accountable. I mean, at the end of the day, Sandra holds me accountable to my phone, to my social media, to all that. If you know, I hand her my phone here, look through it, you know, and that holds me accountable. Make sure there's nothing on that phone that she can't see. Yeah. You know, if I say a bad word, she needs to be going. What's up, Pastor? Yeah. You know, you use that mouth on the pulpit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't mean that that I curse, but um and and stuff like that. Cursing was one of the hardest things for me to quit. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because cigarettes, I had to have money. 
Got to go buy it. <laughs> Got to go to the store. Alcohol, yeah. same thing. Yeah. You know, you Carson, you don't need nothing. You, don't need you just drop them. Tell somebody F you. You know? Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean. Nothing. F for, you for free. Yeah. <laughs> so, I had to have, like, <laughs> mentally, I had to have words that would replace them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? I, and I had to be really thoughtful about it. So, I mean, I had yeah. a pretty dirty and, mouth. And really quick before we close out. Always, right? But it's also so easy to get caught up in because I don't do this certain thing, because I do abstain, then it's a good check mark for me that day. And my conviction, everybody look at me, it's that sense of piety now, uh, yeah. right? My conviction, look what I do, and you should do that too. Look, it shouldn't come out that way. It should it shouldn't be disingenuous at all. It should be it, it should be seen. From people that you are, you do these things out of a humble heart and a heart that says, I want to pursue Jesus, and this disables me from doing that. And it should never be that because I don't drink, you don't drink. You shouldn't drink because you don't want to drink. Not because pastor said it, not because so and so is trying to put this condemnation on us. Because look, at the end of the day, we will, we're not going to get into heaven on anybody's coattails. It's always a personal relationship. I agree with 100% accountability. We need it. We absolutely need it. But at the end of the day, it's only you and Jesus. Yeah. We got to crucify the flesh, pick up the cross. Die daily. That's die daily. All right. See you next week. And we love you. This is The Refuge Project.